In today's episode, we're speaking to Maz Delacina. Maz Delacina is a best-selling author, breathwork facilitator, a Reiki master, energy healer, and a coach. She wasn't always doing these things. She had to overcome many obstacles such as homelessness, childhood traumas, abuse, addictions, eating disorders, depression, and the biggest battle of all herself. Let's speak to De- Maz Delacina and find out how she changed her life by changing her mindset. Let's find out. And remember, if you want to upgrade your money mindset, then click on the link www.millionairefoundation.com and watch my free training. Money Mindset with Girl Khan podcast will help you to break free from your limiting beliefs, reverse your money shame and blast through your money blocks so that you can live a life of unlimited abundance. In this podcast, we will talk about energy tools and mindset strategies that will help you to understand and change your relationship with money, whether you're in a job, profession, or working on your passion. Change your relationship with money to change your life. I'm your host, Gul Khan. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. This is Gul Khan, your money mindset expert. And today we have Maz Delacena with us. Welcome, Maz. Thanks so much for having me today. It's such a pleasure to have you, Maz. Maz, everyone's heard your intro. They know how fabulous you are. But please, in your own words, tell everybody what it is that you do. I am an author, energy healer, and breathwork facilitator and coach. And basically what I do is I help people heal from their past, release subconscious blocks and self-limiting beliefs so they can transform their lives and become manifesting magnets. Wonderful, wonderful. So Matt, um, talk us through your own personal journey. Obviously, no, nobody wakes up one day and decides to become an energy healer. That's, you know, me talking from experience. So what has been your journey? What has led you to this point um, to be become, to, you know, become an energy healer and to help people in the way that you do? Well, basically, a lot of trauma, as mm. most healers. <laughs> yeah, of course, of um, course, of course. Yeah. That's why I asked. Yeah, um, I'm the founder of the Phoenix Rising Collective, and I guess Phoenix Rising says it all. Mm. Um, I was born in the Philippines in poverty, so third world country. Um, In my teens, I found myself living in the streets, ex-drug addict, alcoholic, a lot of depression, anxiety, a lot of trauma, you know, rape, childhood abuse, and even a string of toxic abusive relationships and Basically, any type of trauma almost that you can think of, I've experienced. And I guess that's why I am really good at helping people now. And it's where my passion stemmed from to be able to help others because I just didn't want to see others struggle in the way that I did. And if I could help someone shorten that healing journey, because everyone needs to go through healing, but make that easier and help guide people. That's literally how like my passion, that's where it all stems from, basically the hardships. Okay. So let's that's a there's a lot in there. Thank you for sharing so candidly. There's a lot in here. Let's unpack it. So you were born in Philippines, and then how did you end up in Australia? Because currently you're in Australia. So can you talk us through your journey? Yes. So I came to Australia when I was about four years old. My mum married my stepdad and so left my real father in the Philippines. Luckily now, fast forward, (laughs) he is now in Australia, but separated from my father and came to Australia 
which was scary as a four-year-old. I was actually really switched on them, but a whole new country, mm. couldn't speak the language. Everyone was white, so a lot of racism yeah. um, and grew up there. Um, and then 14, I was on the streets and it wasn't isn't the typical story of why a teenager would find themselves on the streets because I was straight A's, the quietest, mm. most timid, like such a goody, good girl, <laughs> very shy. Um, and it was basically because at 14, I wanted to meet my real dad, who was still in the Philippines. And my stepdad then said, well, I'll pay for your flight, but that means you don't have a home here. And I agreed, but I didn't actually believe it. But then I didn't have a home. So um, I found myself in the streets in Cairns. And you flew out to the Philippines to meet your father. Mm-hmm. And what happened with that? When I met my father? It was nice to meet him because all I remember was being daddy's little girl and getting to know him, you know, um, getting to know him again. But it wasn't what I had expected or Mm. hoped for, should I say. And I was actually really quite let down. We're close now, but at that time, and I think for him, because, you know, he'd only see me as a little girl and we had spoke about it, like he'd was used to showing affection through touch and physical touch. He used to always cuddle me, but now I was like grown woman. He didn't know how to be around me. And yeah, it just, yeah, it wasn't what I expected. So I was really let down with that. And then when I came back to Australia to find my stepdad really actually meant that. Yeah. What did your mother say? What did your mother say for that? My mother took his side. So for many years after that, I didn't speak to her at all I would I really resented her I had so much anger towards her and we again now in the future we have spoken about that but at the time she basically took it out on me of like I'm just like my father and everything else and I think that was her way of making herself feel better because of how much she actually felt guilty about the situation because she had four boys I'd I have four half brothers with my stepdad um, from my stepdad. And so in her mind, she felt like she had to choose between the four boys or me, where in my mind, I was like that there isn't even a choice that yeah. you, you don't make that a choice <laughs> that there's no, <laughs> it's your children. So I felt, I guess the abandonment issues stem from there. Mm. Okay. So, and the, so you go to meet your father and you come back and you don't have a home anymore. Then what happens? I was sent to, well, I was in Cairns when I was homeless. And um, I was the kind of girl, <laughs> I had a lot of pride. I didn't want anyone to know I was homeless because I didn't want to be treated like a street rat. You know how people just don't treat homeless people very nice. And I didn't want to be treated that way, especially after already experienced being treated differently because a white like in a white area with an Asian, the only Asian there. So I never told anyone I was homeless and I became very good at shoplifting. I would actually steal clothes from Supre. It was my favorite store. So I dress nice um, and I would steal food from like our, we have Woolworths here, like a grocery store, just like chips and chocolate and just things that was easy to steal so I could eat. Um, and no one knew I was homeless because I looked good and I would shower because on the Esplanade there was public showers because it's a beach there. And so I would shower. So I was not a stinky homeless person. No one where, knew. Where, where, where would you sleep? On the street bench, on the park bench. 
And then I how, remember how long? this happened for about a few months. For a few months, you were on the streets yeah. and no one knew about it? No one knew about it. I, 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 help me to understand this. I'm a mother, okay? And I yeah. have a 16-year-old daughter and a 12-year-old son. And boy, do I get angry at her at times. I'm like, okay, you're, paying, <laughs> you're leaving this house and da-da-da. I'm going to send it to your father and blah, 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 blah. And they're bloody empty threats. Of course they are. I'm not going to do anything with my daughter. Um, it's, um, you know, and it's not, I mean, and if these are not general conversations either. It's just extreme yeah. situations when, you know, you have those altercations with your teenage child and you're like, who's the battle of the bits? Who's going to back down first? And it's like, oh, it's not me. It's not me. Whatever. <laughs> That's when those threats come out. But they were empty threats. She knows it. I know it. It's just that. Okay. And my biggest threat is I'm going to send you to your dad. <laughs> That's my biggest threat, right? Not on the street. So I'm having a difficult time understanding how your, not your stepdad, but your mom allowed you to go leave the house and live on the street and did not know where you were. I, I, I just don't understand how, how could she, how did she deal with that? So explain this to me, what, you know, how, how long and did she know you were on the streets or whatever? Just unpack that for me because I'm just having a difficult time digesting it, being a parent myself and knowing that, I mean, my daughter's not home for or not home in time, and I'm like panicking and going to, you know, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So. To be honest, girl, I didn't understand, and I still don't fully understand what happened there. There was many years I didn't talk to her. I had so much anger towards her. I hated her. It was I was so resentful because I felt abandoned, and I felt like, how could you just leave me and not care about me? And how, like, literally, it put me like. I around that time as well I remember being because I get caught up with the other homeless people and being so drunk and I never drank but I was like you know literally there was nothing more to life at that time that's what I thought I had no future that was me done you know at 14 and I remember being so drunk going to I'd cross highways and purposely not look because I would hope a car would hit me and then be disappointed when I made it to the other side and it wasn't like I tried to jump in front of a car but I was like hoping that because the cars were all going I remember just being in such a dark place and I still don't fully understand that we have spoke about it but my mother is still one of those people that doesn't like to look at the past too much She's always about moving forward, you know, suppresses all this stuff, which I guess explains a lot of her physical ailment she has now. But yeah, I fully don't, I can't really explain from her side exactly what went on there. I know on my side, she was just angry with me. Um, when I did come back near her, um, I would end up staying with a friend's mum who worked at the school. And she kind of got stuck with me because she didn't know I was homeless. (laughs) And my girlfriend actually asked her, we were at the park. And then she's like, where are you going to go now? I'm like, I guess I'll just stay here and sleep here. And then she was like, no, I can't let that. She's like, you can stay at my house. And I remember her asking her mom if I could stay over. And her mom was like, no. But then I heard my friend Jess then whisper to her mom, but I could hear it. 
being like, no, she really needs someone to stay or she's going to stay at the park. And her mom ended up letting me stay that night and then was stuck with me. And I mean stuck <laughs> for months because when she went to take me home, realized I wasn't welcome at home and didn't have the heart to just throw me on the streets again. Mm-hmm. And so she ended up taking me on for months. Um, I can't even quite remember how long that was, but I know it was months. And I always felt like a burden there because I knew I wasn't wanted there. She just felt obliged to have me there and I could see it and I could feel it. So but didn't the social services get involved and, you know, somebody else, you know, surely somebody they, Yeah, well, child services over here did get involved. And this is a messed up thing as well. Like, because um, I was, I had no clothes, I had nothing. And my friend's mum, because she worked at the school, decided to get them involved to see if something could happen or, and whatnot, because like I was, she put me back through school and then... When child services turned up at my stepdad's mom's house, all my stuff was there. And they said, no, she still lives here. Look, all her stuff's there. And I I still, to this day, I do not understand how they just took their word and believed that because my friend's mom and her family, like, she is staying here. (laughs) Like, but I guess, I don't know, back in those days, they didn't really care, I guess, or really take things further because they, my parents just said, no, she still lives here. It was literally like that. It was really hard. And it was hard for my friend's mother as well. I'm really grateful for her now, but like, I, I do understand, you know, when you're stuck with someone's kid that you didn't choose to take on, but don't, you don't have the heart to put them on the streets yeah. or anything. Wow. Okay. That just doesn't, you know, I'm, cause I'm, I'm in the UK. So if, if, even when I, if I was younger, or if I was on the streets, I know social services would pick me up and say, okay. And then my parents even say, okay, even if your mom had said, God forbid, she would never do that. But if mom did the same yeah. thing, she would close her hair, she's living here. They would say, no, she's been living at XYZ's house for the three nights, blah, blah, blah. So there's evidence for it. And you don't mm-hmm. just take mom, you know, the parents in the, the parent in question, you know, and, and say, look, okay, fine. And just because her clothes are here doesn't mean she's living here because she's physically been living elsewhere. And, mm-hmm. you know, if things do not work out, you know, the, the well-being of the child is of paramount importance more than the actual, you know, the parent at the time. I wow. agree. I don't, yeah. I don't understand. I actually, you've just made me remember there was a night where me and my friend's mom and her, like um, my, my friend, we went to a friend's house that was living across the road from my parents' house. And one night I actually broke into the house to steal some clothes and they were like waiting at my friend's house for me. I I completely forgot about that. Yeah. You've just reminded me. Why were they they waiting at your friend's house to take the clothes back or to tell you off? No, no, no. We went to my friend's house who lived across the road from my parents. Hmm. Right. Um, And they all waited for me. So my friend's mom, um, if we're going to give names, it makes it easier when I keep saying friends. But Tracy, my Tracy is my friend's mom. Jess was my friend. Um, and so Tracy and Jess waited across the road at our friend's place. And I snuck in. It was nighttime and I snuck into my parents' house, broke in so I could steal clothes, my own clothes. They, they didn't give you clothes when they told you to leave. They just told you to leave us as is. No, no clothes on your back or nothing. No. And even Tracy tried to get what we have here um, is Centrelink. So our form of the doll tried to get money from Centrelink for me. Mm. Right. And couldn't. So I am very grateful for Tracy because I know there was, she even bought me clothes and stuff because I needed things and 
she helped me through a period there. But I guess that's what then led me into my first um, abusive relationship because as soon as I got a boyfriend and though he was not good for me, I felt really bad staying at Tracy's house. And it was like my way of getting out of a situation where I felt like a burden. Mm -hmm. And then I stayed way too long. I think it was four, four or five years in my first relationship that was not exactly healthy. And that was the start of a string of a lot of toxic, abusive relationships. I hope you are enjoying today's episode. If you want to learn more about my mindset strategies and energy tools to help you change your money mindset, then please register for my Abundance Mindset Makeover Workshop by visiting www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com. See you inside the workshop. So this is so much to unpack. And then how... Did you complete your studies and how did you move forward? No, I only officially finished grade eight, mm-hmm. um, which is sad because I was actually a straight A student. I was like grade two, grade three, getting sent into a special, like they would pull me out of class and teach me other things because I was doing things at grade seven, grade eight level. Like I was super smart, but also not a waste because I'm using my talents elsewhere now. But at that time, yeah, grade eight was the only year I officially finished when I was with Tracy um, and because she worked at the school. I was back at school through a bit of halfway through grade nine, but I, I didn't do full grade nine. I tried to do grade 10 and then that was, yeah, and I end up just leaving um, and not being at school and just working because I had adult bills to pay. I was paying rent. I was doing things as an adult, you know, and paying normal rent and doing all that as a child. And so I ended up dropping out of school and working three part-time jobs so I could pay my way, which barely at the time then the wages were so low, especially at my age, mm-hmm. barely made ends meet. So life had always been a struggle for me financially. Wow. Okay. So that's that's the background we're working with. Then how do you break free from it? How did you change your mindset? Because the tagline for this is how you change your life by changing your mindset. How did you get out of that victim mentality and break from those older patterns of self-destruction? Oh, very, yeah, there's a lot. I couldn't even tell my life story in one episode, I don't think. (laughs) My life should really be a movie. Um, But in saying that, it was a lot of rock bottoms. It wasn't like a one-time rock bottom or one moment that hit me. It was experiencing again, like when I went through that first toxic relationship and then I went through lots of toxic relationships and then went into drugs and became a drug addict, became an alcoholic. I went into very dark times around very dark people and it was life giving me a lot of rock bottoms until one day I was forced to just wake up. And I think the starting point with of that was around 2012, 2014, around there. And 2014, actually, I was in a relationship. It was a very bad breakup um, where in the end he had taken all of my belongings, so all my clothes, everything, trashed the apartment, took all the all my money. Um, the fridge, which had a, it was full of food. He turned the fridge off. Literally just, I was left with completely nothing and I couldn't even go to work because I had no clothes and I had no money to buy clothes. So I couldn't even like leave the apartment. 
Um, and I remember being on my balcony wanting to commit suicide, like just being crazy. I was drinking cheap wine. Back then you could buy like two, $3 bottles of wine. <laughs> I remember drinking very cheap wine, getting myself super drunk, crying and just laughing. I end up like being hysterical and just end up laughing at myself because I'm like, how did I get from 14 and homeless to with nothing to all these years have gone by and I've worked so hard to get out of that. And now here I am with an apartment that I can't pay for and I'm back with nothing again, but I have a roof over my head that I can't pay for. And I just thought it was hilarious and thought, how can life be so cruel? And I remember wanting to jump off that balcony. Uh, And the funny thing is an orb had come and distracted me scared the crap out of me and made me run back inside but now I know like I was was obviously divinely so protected and it was not my time there were bigger things for me to do in the future but at that time like I I was standing there looking the balcony but it was only eight stories high and I was like yeah it's not high enough what if I survive this if I survive this I I don't want to live as a quadriplegic you know and be disabled but I really wanted to end my life. And yeah, that orb came and saved. And I like just in the words saved, it scared me. <laughs> it mm. distracted me from what I was wanting to do. And from the next morning, I just remember feeling completely different. And I was like, no, I'm never going to allow another person ever make me feel like this again, ever. And I just made this promise. I'm never going to let anyone have that power over me ever again. And that was the start of my personal development journey, pushed me into spirituality, you know, because when you're at rock bottoms, you're you're asking for divine help. You're asking for assistance. You're like, yeah. please. And that was what, you know, my strengthening my connection with my guides and source and God and, you know, all of strengthening my belief and found Tony Robbins. He was the start of my personal development journey, you know, and started learning how to be a better me and think differently, feel differently about myself. And I guess that was the start of that. But through that journey, I would say I'd created my uh, vision board then. It took me seven years to get it. In those seven years, I still went through a lot of slaps in the face and rock bottoms and a lot of tests before I actually really got it and woke up. Yeah, it was a long, dark night of the soul. <laughs> and um yeah, in the seven years later, I got my first vision board. It all became reality. Everything fully clicked for me where I started helping and teaching others. And my next vision board, I was able to bring in within a year, you know, because it finally clicked. But I guess that seven year journey was just a lot of trial and error, a lot of mistakes, a lot of not listening to my intuition, not following what I knew was right. And yeah, but there was a lot of trials and tribulations in that time as well. But I guess it's just what just choosing to not allow anything outside of yourself determine how you feel. Yeah. And just choosing to take your power back. And it was, yeah, I guess that was the moment for me where it was like, no, I have control and I'm only going to allow myself to have that control yeah. regardless of what happens outside of me. So how did you find, because I'm glad you said that because that's something similar happened to me when I, at the age of, for me, was a lot younger at age of 19, 20, I, I was looking at a book by Tony Buzan on speed reading on mind, mind mapping. And I found a book by Tony Robbins and it led me down the dabbit hole of personal development. And I have been there. Yeah. Since. <laughs> so 
you know, how did you, you know, how did you find the book and how, you know, how, how long before you turned your life around? Because that's, that, I think essentially uh, when you first come across personal development, it's all about the mindset, but eventually if you go into deeper and especially if you're spiritual, you realize it's more with, to do with the energy and you go, you mm-hmm. naturally pull towards the energy healing and, 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 you know, and, and changing energy and working through your trauma as part side of it. But that comes naturally if you are a spiritual person. So how, you know, how did you find the book first of all? Because the universe has a way of giving the book to you. And then how did you make the transformation? I remember when that time after the balcony incident of almost trying to end my life. And that was when I was just asking and asking and praying and calling for help. And I didn't even know who, because at the time I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in spirit. I didn't believe in guides. Mm. I didn't know who or what to believe in, but I was begging for help something, someone out there freaking help me because this is not how life is supposed to be. And as always, once you ask for help, they help. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm never one to tell anyone who or what to believe in, whether it's God or Allah or spirit or angels or, you know, whoever anyone wants to believe in. It's it's your personal choice. Yeah. Yeah. Higher power is personal choice. Yeah. And at the end, these Mm -hmm. are most most of the time, these are just labels anyway. So Mm -hmm. you go outside of that, believe in a higher power that can support you and is willing to support you. That's the most important concept, I think. Mm-hmm. And when I asked for that help, the right things, I don't even, I don't even know. It was just like the angel numbers started and, and I didn't even know what an angel number was, but it was getting, it was getting so profound that I was like, this is weird. What is happening? Mm-hmm. And then I remember Googling and then that's when I found out what an angel number is. And I was like, oh my God, there's messages. And then, you know, I remember the like you know the secret and then watching all these documents like just things and I wasn't really searching just things would appear in front of me or I'll just I, I can't even it was just not one thing it was a string of a lot of things and none that I was searching for but it was being placed in front of me um, and I just kept following and picking up what they were putting down um, and went on that big journey and the transition I guess because after that relationship I was single for five years I was on my healing journey. Mm. I was on my personal development journey. I went from an overweight party girl. And then that's when I stepped into competing and mm. I ended up becoming a sponsored bikini athlete. So it oh, all wow. started on okay. the, so it all started from like the physical personal development, you know, the, that kind of level. And as you said, as the journey progresses, you go deeper and deeper yeah. and you realize there's more and there's more layers um, so yeah, it started on a physical transformation where I lost 30 kilos, got myself um, on stage and on my favorite magazine, fitness magazine and all of that. And that's how I thought, because I always felt a pull to help people, but that's how I first started in inspiring people, inspiring people through weight loss and helping myself in the process. And then that then turned into blogging and writing inspirational you know, articles for really massive publications. And then I found myself in another relationship and that's the relationship my book, I Deserve Better, was actually born. That's a book all about toxic relationships. And after five years being single and then coming into that relationship and it was another toxic relationship. Mm. And I was like, how, how? Because it was so magical and obviously very karmic. Like I was meant to meet him because after we broke up and I 
fully ended it with him, my gifts started to activate and I went through another spiritual mm. awakening, but a very much a, a, a very profound one where, yeah, I started seeing things, feeling things, hearing things like just, yeah, it was unexplainable, but it was that that relationship that that triggered me to go further into healing because I'm like, how can I've spent five years healing to find myself with the same person in a different body again? Like this just does not make sense. And then when my gifts started activating in that time, because again, at that point, I was already connecting with my guys. I was connecting with spirit. I already had that connection and that just got stronger after that breakup. They were really there to help guide me. And then my book was born and I don't know, everything kind of plays out as it does all the synchronicities, the signs, the pulls. And every time they told me to jump, I would jump. That's literally it. Everything like every download I get, I have kept that promise. So, yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. So so on that note, I'm going to wrap this up. What would be your parting comments to someone, Maz, someone who may be in a toxic relationship or in the dark at the moment is or is having a dark night of the soul, as you refer to it? What would your advice be to that person who's going through this transformation? I call it transformation because when you are going mm. through the darkness, you are actually, there's an old saying that when you are in the darkness, you're actually being planted because seeds are planted in the darkness. So mm-hmm. when you are dark, uh, everything around you is dark. You feel like you're suffocating. Actually, you're not. That's when you're germinating. That's when you're growing from the inside out and you're transforming. What advice would you have for them? If your soul is Feeling that pull where you know there's something better, it is absolutely spot on. And it's so, so right. And that is the light that is leading you out of that dark. And again, just like me, we all have a choice. We don't give ourselves enough credit for the power that we have. We have a choice to stay in certain situations and we can choose not to. And if you choose not to because you know in your soul that wherever you are at now is not where you're supposed to be, you will be guided. You will be protected every single time. So just blind faith, blind trust, but follow the pull that your soul is already telling you because it always knows the way. Wonderful, wonderful. So tell us, Massimo, how can we connect with you? Where can you find you on the internet? Um, on masdelasona.com or my Instagrams, my main social at little miss Maz, well, L-I-L miss Maz, little miss Maz. And um, I have a YouTube channel, Phoenix Rising Collective. Wonderful. So if you are listening to us on the podcast, the links for Maz will be in the show notes. And if you're watching on YouTube, then down below, then in the description section, we'll have all the links that Maz just mentioned. Do check her out and see how she can help you build a better future. Thank you so much for coming, Maz, today. It's been a fantastic conversation. It's been, wow, a heavy conversation, I would say, because it's been <laughs> there's been so much to unpack in this. But we would love to have you on Money Talkies and learn more from your experience. But for today, thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. And thank you for listening to me and Maz today. I will be back with, my gosh, another amazing, amazing, amazing guest finding out how they change their life by changing their mindset. Until the next time, this is Girl Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now. If you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies, then please visit my website, 
www.gulkhan.com. And if you want to take part in our five-day abundance mindset makeover workshop, where I deep dive into energy tools for abundance, then please go to www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com and register. I look forward to being your mentor in the next workshop. And if you want to learn about the spiritual laws of money, then go and get my book, Laws of Money, from www.lawsofmoney.com. Until the next time we meet, this is Gul Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now.